0: This is the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. And welcome to the best show on your radio. It is Freddie and Harry. I'm Freddie Coleman. He's Harry Douglas. Together we are presented by Progressive Insurance on the ESPN app, SiriusXM X and Channel 80, and always, always, always tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Jim Harbaugh at the press conference being announced as the Los Angeles Chargers new head coach later on this hour, we'll hear exactly what he had to say about nobody has it better than him. Five-year contract, $16 million per year. You'll hear what he has to say about being the new savior for the Chargers. That comes up later on this hour. But nobody looked to Bill Belichick to be a savior in this coaching cycle. Eight NFL head coaching vacancies. Only one team talked to him. That was the fighting Harry Douglases of Atlanta, meaning the Atlanta Falcons. Reports were out there that he was considered for the commander's job. They decided to go with Dan Quinn, the former defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. The reports Harry also say he did and was interviewed. Just considered when it comes to Bill Belichick.
1: Wow. Um, that also tells me that, hey, these teams, man, they have their mind made up, right? What Bill Belichick was able to do and win those six Super Bowls are not, it was not going to overshadow what they've seen the last four years. Well, I should say the last three years with the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Also, you understand that this league is getting younger and these players, uh, you have to be able to understand them on different levels. Absolutely. Not just one level, two levels, but uh, through and through. Through it all, Freddie. Because they may show up to your facility one day and have a lot going on. You need to be able to contain it and listen to them and help them get through it.
0: And Bill Belichick has, been, he, Bill Belichick has two things. He has a very strong will And he has a very strong won't if he does not want to do something, if he doesn't want to adapt, if he believes that you're not going to do it that way. From what we've seen and what we heard, he can be very, very inflexible. I'm going to go back to something you just said about players in this day and age. When I did a hockey game last year for Sacred Heart and they played Boston College, their head coach is Greg Brown. And he played for that school. He's a graduate. He's like one of the top players in history of that program, which is saying something when it comes to Boston College, playing in the National Hockey League as well. And I said, what's the difference between when you were playing and now coaching players in modern times? And he said, everything seems to be a negotiation. You can no longer tell a young man or a young woman, if you're a coach, do it this way or else. He says, you're going to get a lot of blank stares back at you and guys and ladies not buying in. You have to explain why this is going to work or why we should do it this way. And you have to be adaptable because if they're not going to buy in, they'll tune out a lot quicker than players like me when I played for Boston College in the late 80s, early 90s. I wonder how much of that was prevalent in the minds of so many different people to say, man, Bill Belichick will not be able to do it his way, especially when it comes to the modern football player in the National Football League.
1: Freddie, I was watching before we started the show today like the Senior Bowl coverage on ESPN2, right? And I thought Louis Riddick said it perfectly today when he was talking about Bill Belichick and the whole nine and the the different athletes today and how they differ from when he was playing. And he talked about, you know, with Bill, uh, when he was playing for Bill Belichick, how how Bill could probably say one thing to him and it's, hey, Mm -hmm. you're going to do it his way what exactly he said. He said in today's day and age, if, if you feel like that as a coach, you may lose 90% of the guys. 90, wow, 90%. 90%. That's, and that's how it is, man. Like Times are different, so you do have to evolve. But I think what this can do for Bill Belichick, being able to look on the outside in, it gives him time, right? It gives mm-hmm. him time to survey himself. It gives him time to figure out, okay, right. where do I need to adjust when it comes to my coaching? Mike okay. McCarthy had to go through that as well, right? He, sure. he sat out some time. I think the same thing for Mike Vrabel, because what we don't understand, yep. a lot of us, is you know, being a head coach in the National Football League, it can be very taxing at, at, at times, too. So at moments, you need time to step away. So when I'm looking at Mike Vrabel, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick, this is an opportunity for all three of those guys to be able to reset, mm. yeah. be re-energized, and have a different perspective on a lot of things when and if they return to coaching?
0: Well, I don't believe the NFL has passed him by when it comes to the game, when it comes to Bill Belichick. I wonder how much of that, what you mentioned about a youth movement and a different way of looking for a head coach to put the best possible effort with his players to be the best possible team out there. I wonder how much of that could harm him or how much of that did harm him in this cycle. And it didn't take long for the trolls to get out there with Bill Belichick not getting a head coaching job after 24 years with the New England Patriots. For example, Marlon Humphrey, cornerback for the Baltimore Ravens on Twitter, and I quote, the greatest coach of all time did not get hired out of six head coaching jobs open. I think that debate can be put to rest now. Even Tom Brady's daddy, Tom Brady Sr., he said in a recent interview, Bill Belichick is the best coach in football. He's tough. He runs a military system. It's a different generation. Bill is a great, great, great coach, but his interpersonal skills are horrible. That's the bottom line. How many times did he say back in 2015, 2016, that he wanted to win without Tommy? When he went without Tommy, he didn't know what he was losing. You're losing more than just a quarterback. Ego sometimes gets in the way of things. I think it did with Bill. Now he's in a situation where he's gotten crucified for the last few years by everybody and a lot of luster has come off his roles, end quote. Even Tom Brady Sr. was given the business with Bill Belichick being out of coaching.
1: But just look at how we viewed Tom Brady when he played for the Patriots versus when he went to Tampa to play for the Buccaneers. We've seen a different Tom Brady on social media. We've seen a lot more outgoing, fun Tom Brady more so than we've seen mm-hmm. when he was with the New England Patriots. In just th- three years. He was there three years, right? Yeah, three years yes,
0: of being Tampa with Bay. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an indictment to back up your point of what Tom Brady looked like without Bill, didn't miss the playoffs in Tampa Bay, and what Bill looked like without Tom Brady. One game in the playoffs. Not a, not a run. Not home field advantage. One game and they got the brakes beaten off and by the Buffalo Bills in that playoff game. So anybody has always – now they have ammo. If you're a person said, that guy meaning Bill Belichick – was nothing without that guy, Tom Brady. The last four years and him not being hired in this coaching cycle has given you ammunition because Tom Brady in three years in Tampa Bay went to the playoffs and won the Super Bowl. And now starting next year, he's going to make $37.5 million per year for 10 years being the next top analyst for Fox football. Whoever was on the side of Brady over Bill Belichick, these last four years and this coaching cycle that did not have the will stop at Bill Belichick's name have giving those people enough ammo when it comes to who needed one more than the other.
1: I think it's also a, a life lesson for coaches moving forward, mm-hmm. right? When you have a player of Tom Brady's caliber, oh, I won't say of the same, but close to it, or if you're straddling the line of it, Man, maybe I should hold on to this guy a little bit longer now mm-hmm. before I mess around and think the grass is green on the other side.
0: Well, and I yeah. mess
1: around, I'm in a situation where I'm, I'm jobless.
0: Yeah, well, the one thing that Bill Belichick always had was the fact he would rather move on from a player too early than keep a player too late.
1: But see, Tom's not just any player.
0: I understand that. Bill Belichick, <laughs> Bill Belichick didn't look at it that way. Sure he, didn't. He regarded chess pieces as chess pieces. How ironic that the same thing that he did all those years in New England for 24 years may be the same thing that could keep him out of the NFL and not get that wins mark held by Don Shula when it's all said and done. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together. Appreciate you joining us And Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Serious XM Channel 80, and as well as telling your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio while well, they believe in Jim Harbaugh, Los Angeles Chargers head coach. He leads Michigan, led to a national championship, and then he got a five-year, $90 million contract to take over the Los Angeles Chargers. He is at the podium being introduced at a press conference, let's go to it now.
2: Amazing. John, uh, John, that conversation that we had, I remember it well because in 2004 or five, coaching an All-Star game in, in, um, in Las Vegas, after the practice, John came up to me and he said, you run a really good practice. That's a, that's a professional-type practice. You know, I like the way you coach. Um, that was really only the second time that a professional – uh, coach, owner, general manager, recognize that I, I might be pretty good, and the, and and the first was Mr. Al Davis, who I have so much gratitude to. So you, to me, from that moment on, uh, I knew you could recognize talent, and uh, <laughs> this was like a young Al Davis to me, uh, so so cool. And and Dean, uh, you know, just uh, you know when you said and we're hungry to win, I'm hungry to win. I told you that, and you, you said you're starving. You know, it just uh, it just resonated with me so much. Uh, and uh, you, you've, you're about it. You're a grinder, you're one of the first in the building. I've been watching, uh, and one of the last to leave uh, through every single interview. You know, you've been there uh, 28, 30 some, 30 some straight days. So uh, just everybody's been, been great and, and so welcoming. Um, you know, I just like the way you do things. I like how you do it and what you do and, and Ed and, and, uh, and Fred and, and Catherine and, and on and on. I could, uh, list so many that I'm just very, uh, excited, you know, excited. Um, I think about, uh, if I could describe it to you, it'd be like, it'd be like Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption, you know, Red, you know, I'm so, I'm so excited that I, I, I find I, you know, I can't sit still or, or hold a thought in my head, you know, uh, what a free man would feel before a long journey, and uh, I just want to make it across the border. Want to uh, shake my friend's hand. That's that's how I feel, and uh, I want to get, uh, you know, want to win, want to win the right way, want to treat people uh, 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 in a first class way, and uh, you know, get really good at football and um, attacking each day. Like John said, I'm attacking it with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I want to. I want to especially thank uh, my family as well, my beautiful wife, Sarah, who um, does so much, thank goodness for mothers, um, all that you do in supporting me, supporting our family, uh, you know, the best, you know, just, just the best thing that's, uh, that's happened to me. You're, you're, you're the best. You're tremendous. and, and my, my kids um, just so so proud. Uh, dad of seven, uh, my son Jay who's uh, you know a great man great husband uh, father uh, he's a great football coach uh, grateful for uh, you know, all the work he's done uh, as a coach on our team at Michigan um, and and uh, my son James who's uh, who's here uh, Gracie who's not here but uh, both both shining stars and daughter Addie who's Who's here today? Fifteen and Katie, Katie Bear, uh, and Jack, Jack, the quarterback, and uh, and my son Johnny is here today. What's up, Johnny? Doing all right. I see you wearing the jersey. Let's go. Let's go. Um, yeah, so much to so much to talk about. Uh, um, you know, just feeling good. What have What have uh, Oh, and I'll also. Um, who I, I would not be here without is, uh, is my parents, Jack Harbaugh, Jackie Harbaugh, my mom talking about moms, uh, you know, just the best, uh, and did nothing to be born into that family, but, uh, just, just luck. You know, my name should be, should be lucky. Um, how'd you get so lucky, lucky? Uh, that's how I feel. Um, my parents, uh. And my brother John and my sister Joni, um, just, just such a blessing. And um, they weren't, uh, mom and dad weren't able to make it here today, but um, you know, hope to get them out here to uh, to Southern California soon. Kids, dad, mom, the kids really love living next door to their papa and yai. So uh, we'll see what we can. We can get down there. Um,
0: Jim Harbaugh, the head coach of Denial, the head coach of Los Angeles Chargers, having his press conference, introducing him to the media. Live right now on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. Coach, this is uh, I'm Jim Hill of KKL 9 News. Congratulations.
2: You're a legend. You're a legend. Of no, 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 I no, you know no. You are, no you're the legend.
0: You're a legend. No, 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 no. no you you're you're the legend. legend. Believe me, you're the legend. No, you're the legend.
2: <laughs> First of all, congratulations
0: and good luck. And by seeing all of us here today, what does this tell you about how popular
2: this choice is by the Chargers to get you as their head coach, and the great expectations to come? Well, thank you for that question, Jim. And you are you are a legend. Uh, and we're in uh, we're in you know one of the one of the great cities there there is. Um, you know, one thing I know is is uh, Los Angeles, Southern California. Uh, they respect talent, effort and winning, and, um, and it needs to be multiple, multiple championships. Uh, and that's, we're going to be hum, humble and hungry, uh, but, you know, that's our goal. That's our goal is to, um, you know, treat people in a first-class manner, to win multiple championships, uh, and day by day. You know, now I'm quoting Jackie Harbaugh now. I mean, going to be one day at a time, one game at a time, one play at a time. Thank you. Yeah, Coach, over here. Left. Uh, you're right. Am you're right. I right? Bill Plashke, Los Angeles Times. Wow, oh, another legend. Wow. No. <laughs> Coming at me left and right here with no, the legends. You're, you're right. Jim Hill is a legend. Thank you for recognizing that. You're a that. legend. So this organization has a history of falling short of expectations and in many, many painful ways. How do you change the culture? The team, the team, the team. It's going um, to be a team effort. There won't be any... Uh, any magic formulas? Um, the only ones I know are just good old-fashioned hard work and uh, teamwork, and that's the vision that I've uh, received from the Spanos family. Uh, that's the guidance, you know, that this is this has to be done. This has to be done like a team, uh, and, and the great family that they are. Team family; those those are synonymous, um, you know, for each other. Uh, and I, I got to quote Katie, my daughter Katie Harbaugh, uh, because she came up with one of the best quotes I've ever heard: uh, "Work together, win together." Uh, and the operating word there is is together. Uh, so everything we're going to do is going to be going to be done as as a team, collaborative. Um, you know, anything and and everything uh, that that I can do as a coach, um, you know, for our players, it's uh, it's about them. Those those helpful, those helpful warriors, those those uh, uh, mighty men, uh, so that they can be successful. So um, I feel that that's what my job is—you know, put them in a position to be su- to be successful. Um, and 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 then the other operating there is work. I mean, uh, you know, nothing was ever achieved without uh, without work. So each day, just waking up and see if we can. Uh, how productive we can be, how much we can dominate the day. So what, talk about expectations. What are those expectations? Expectations are to, uh, to have a great day today, you know, to make it a great day. Uh, like some people say, like, have a nice day. That doesn't quite resonate with me. I mean, that, that leaves something to chance. I mean, we can, let's make it a great day. You know, let's have a great day if we want to. Uh, and so that's, that's what we're doing.
0: The words of Jim Harbaugh, now the head coach of Los Angeles Chargers, being introduced to the masses out in Los Angeles at that press conference with Harry Douglas. and Freddie Coleman. Thanks for joining us. with Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio. So we got Jim Harbaugh thanking his parents, thanking his kids, thanking his wife, quoting Shawshank Redemption, using <laughs> the word relentless. We're going to work hard. Everything that you wanted to hear at a press conference, if you're a Chargers fan in which your team has only made one Super Bowl and didn't win that and you haven't been close since, Everything that he had a chance to say is exactly what you wanted to hear as a Chargers fan.
1: Yeah, I think some of the things that stood out to me is, uh, you know, he wants to win the right way, treat people uh, in a first-class manner. Uh, I love the fact that he was able to joke around a little bit and bring some humor to the press conference, Mm Freddie. Right. But, you know, he talked about Southern California and and what that, that area loves, talent, effort, winning. He talked about winning multiple championships, not just one doing things day by day. And I love that he talked about collaboration, teamwork, right? It's going to be a team effort, hard work, teamwork, family for each other. And I love the quote by his daughter, work together, win together. Yeah. And the fact that he said that he's going to do any and everything to be able to put his players in the best positions possible to be successful. So a lot of things that he talked about is what I've seen from Jim Harbaugh when he was at Michigan, mm-hmm. what I've seen from Jim Harbaugh when he was with the San Francisco 49ers, Stanford, and in San Diego. So it's a it's a trend, and you can't just sit up there and say, hell, he's just giving us words. No, right. the things that he's talking about is what we've seen display with upon other organizations that he's been a part of.
0: One of the things about that, Jim Harbaugh, you're exactly right, in terms of he has a very unique ability. Everybody that's a successful coach will have it, But I really saw Magnified at Michigan and at San Francisco and Chargers fans are hoping this will be the case with the Los Angeles Chargers. He is really good at finding coaches that can teach and make players better. You mentioned about putting players in the right position to make plays. A big part of that is what kind of staff are you going to bring to the table? Who are the people that you believe in that you know my message is going to get through And those players will, in the words of Jeff Saturday from Get Up, receive it. And when they (laughs) receive it, how can you go out there and put it in place? He was terrific at that in Michigan and in San Francisco and in Stanford and in San Diego. And also the common denominator, he had success early. It wasn't like a three- or four-year wait. One or two years, and he got that thing rolling at all the places I just mentioned.
1: And I love that his defensive coordinator that he had at Michigan, Jesse Minter, will be the defensive coordinator for the Los Angeles Chargers. Also, Jesse Minter spent some time with the Baltimore Ravens, and we've seen what that football team has been able to do over the last few years. Uh, That culture, right? Family is everything to him. He wants his organization, his team to feel like a family. That's what it was at the last stop he was, and he just happened to win a national championship there as well.
0: Yeah, when you have a name like that in Harbaugh, and you have been a polarizing figure in college football, believe me, in Los Angeles, interesting is going to sell. He's not going to put the charge on the same line as the Los Angeles Rams, but maybe that gap just got a little bit closer, hiring a star coach, a superstar coach, what we've seen from Jim Harbaugh in the NFL as well as in college football. He is Harry Douglas and Freddie Coleman. Together, we are Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance. The NBA, plus this, according to Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. Joel
3: playing tonight felt very much so because of the 65-game limit.
0: Equals chaos. But the players have no one to blame but themselves. We'll get into that next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry
4: Podcast.
5: Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com.
0: He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Together on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on Sirius X and Channel 80. And I'll tell you a smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Don't forget about NBA action tonight. The Boston Celtics hosting the Los Angeles Lakers, but no LeBron James, no Anthony Davis. That may equal no chance, but it's going to be presented by Indeed anyway. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern time after we're done here on Freddie and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. NBA has always been about numbers, but this may be the biggest number that the leagues had to deal with in a long time. That number 65 when it comes to a rule in place. That the players collectively bargained with the NBA and their owners. If you're going to qualify for any kind of award, all NBA, MVP, defensive player of the year, you got to play 65 games. Well, Draymond Green in his podcast in the volume says, here's the problem that we meaning players have with that.
3: Joel playing tonight felt very much so because of the 65 game limit. Well, I think it's actually quite bull****. Guys didn't face those rules before, but those same NBA, all NBA teams, those same MVP awards lists, defensive player of the year, those lists are the same. I once lost a defensive player of the year award to Kawhi Leonard, and I think he played 51 games. In turn, you get Joel, who comes out there tonight, and he forces it. And Freak play with him and uh, J.K. diving for the ball, but Maybe it's not as bad if the knee isn't already banged up. I don't really bang with it. And now we got one of our premier faces in this league, the MVP of our league, possibly hurt for an extended period of time because he's forcing it.
0: The words of Draymond Green, talking about Joel Embiid, forcing it because of the new 65-game rule for players in the NBA to qualify for awards let's bring in an fos friend of the show he is andre snelling's always extremely intelligent about basketball as an espn senior writer hit him on twitter at professor Driz, as in dr z all right andre you know the rule you're draymond green had to say the floor is yours go
3: yeah um
6: you know in this case i think draymond might be right um i was watching that game the other night. And it was obvious that Embiid wasn't himself the whole game. Um, he wasn't able to rotate on defense. He wasn't able to jump on, on, for, for rebounds. Uh, I've since heard that he couldn't jump in, in the pregame warm-ups. And even though he says all the right things about, well, I want to be healthy at the end of the season, it was pretty clear. You know, put it like this. I was literally tweeting uh, live action. I was tweeting they really need to get Embiid out of here before he gets hurt. He's not helping the team. Before I could hit send, the man got hurt. But you know, it was something that we could see coming, and so I feel like this uh, sixty-five game rule—it's a bit of an artificial construct in the sense that if a player missed so many games that they shouldn't be the MVP, the voters wasn't going to vote vote for him to be MVP. Um, Embiid was MVP playing sixty-six games last year, so if he played sixty-two this year and he was worthy of it, then he could still win the award. If he was not worthy of it, they wasn't going to vote for him anyway. So I I feel like it's an artificial construct, and the NBA is not really getting out of it what they – I think what the goal is. Because what I'm seeing with this whole thing is that instead of trying to solve the the issue of how to have players available – um, the most and, and, and you know, uh, trying to, to, to help the situation, it feels like this is kind of turning into a, a, a blame fest. And it, it almost feels like the NBA um, is kind of dry snitch turning the, the, the fans against the players because they're like, well, hey, you know, if, if a man can't come to work 80, 80% of the time, then then they don't deserve anything. And I feel like it, that's a short-sighted, Approach because the, the 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 league needs you know if, you, if 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 fans are feeling negative towards players then in the long run that's to the ill of the NBA and so I just think a, a, a better more creative solution needs to be found.
1: So I, I got to ask you, Dre, what is the solution though? Because. When you don't have players and you have nationally televised games and you have fans spending their hard-earned money to go see these players and they're not playing because they're not injured, but they may have a little nick and bruise here and there and that fan doesn't get to see that player, Like, what, what is the solution? And also I would say this, if Joel Embiid couldn't barely jump, why in the hell is he going out there? Thank you. Like You, you, yeah. you won an MVP last year. You, you, why are you going out there?
6: Right. So uh, a couple of answers there. Well, for one, I can't speak for, you know, that man's motivation. I don't know him personally. But, you know, just because somebody won an MVP, I've heard a couple of people say that today. Um, Just because somebody may have won it before, that don't mean that that's not still a major driving force goal. Right. Like, you know, to win an MVP once means you're guaranteed to be a Hall of Famer. You win it twice. You start talking, okay, now you're on the short list. You know what I'm saying? You're getting in people's top 20, top 25. Like, it's not something minor. And and careers are short. So the opportunities to win an MVP or to make an all-NBA team are are, are few and far between. So I I, I can't be mad necessarily at that man if he did push it a little bit, even though he says, uh, you know, I I, want to be ready for the playoffs. If if he's in his head thinking, I could get through it, you know, to have a chance to win the MVP, I don't feel like that's a decision necessarily that he should have made. But you ask what the solution is. I think that the NBA has to be more creative with this. So I I think back. David Stern made the calculus, you know, what, 30, 35 years ago, that part of the way to bring the NBA to the next level was to market the individual over – the, the the team or over the game, you know, you started seeing it being about Jordan. It was about Bird, Bird and Magic. It's about LeBron. It, it, it's not necessarily about their teams, and that's brought a lot of financial success to the NBA. Well, Stern's successor, Adam Silver, I think this could be one of the defining, um, you know, moments of, of of his tenure because he, I think, he has to to, to look at this. A lot of people are talking today, you know, I I saw Stephen A. using the word entitlement for the players, that uh, some players were entitled and and therefore it's kind of their fault that this is happening because they're entitled. And I would say the word I would use isn't entitlement. It's a different E word, evolution. The game has evolved. You know, there used to be a time, right, when – Wilt Chamberlain set the record. He played every game. He played every minute of every game, including overtime, and he averaged more than 48 minutes a game for a full season. That's never going to happen again. But while Wilt was doing that, Satchel Page was pitching every day. He was pitching every day. He was pitching double headers. He was pitching triple headers. Well, you fast forward, these days, pitchers pitch every fifth day, maybe. Sometimes they skip a, a turn in the rotation. And when they do go out there, they're on a pitch count because the sport recognized if we keep pushing our pitchers to do, you know, to pitch all of the time, it's bad for them physically. And I feel like the NBA, you know, kind of has to have that same calculus of like, okay, 82 games might be too long of a season. Back to backs ain't really the hit. Three games or four days isn't either. And while they may have tried to minimize those things over the last few years, I think they probably need to, to go further to lower the the, the injury risk for their players uh, playing on this marathon.
0: Andre and so I think
6: that's something Adam Silver has
0: to do. Andre Snell's ESPN senior writer on Freddie Harry and ESPN Radio. Here's what I'm going to push back on you twice, number one. Adam Silver right. just signed a long-term contract to still be the commissioner at the end of the decade. He's not going anywhere. So this is not going to define him being the commissioner. That's number one. Number two, the players union agreed to this. Because they were sick and tired of people and sick and tired of players using load management and taking advantage of it. It's not going to. You can't play when you're injured, but don't tell anybody out there, Andre, that they can't play when they're hurt. Joel and B could have made that decision, say, "I'm not going to push this because I can barely move." Or somebody in that organization walked in and said, "Dude, you can't play tonight. You can barely move. You are not doing yourself or anybody any favors." Another person, Andre, because you and I have been boys for a long time. You can miss me with that whole thing about defining for Adam <laughs> Silver and commissioner, and also, well, players, you need to, the, the manufacture things more for the players. They had stuff manufactured for them with a load management, and then they collectively bargained and agreed to say, well, 65 is going to be the number. The players signed off on this. Handle it or be handled if you're an NBA player in this day and age right now.
6: All right, well, a couple things. So, uh, yeah, obviously, Adam Silver, on the whole, I think he's doing a great job. I don't, you know... If anything I said there may, may it sound like, well, I think he's going to be fired or something, that wasn't where I was going. Where I'm going is, is we're talking about David Stern, you know, some of his greatness because of ways he handles situations. I think that this is an opportunity for Silver to do something similar. That was my point on Silver. Okay. As far as the collective bargaining agreement, you know, the players do not have the leverage in those situations. And,
0: yeah. Um, in, a players, in a player's league, they don't have leverage? In the NBA? In in collective bargaining agreements? You didn't see 1999
6: when they tried to lock out how that ended? You didn't see 2012 when they tried to to lock out how that ended? But I've also seen how the the NBA players
0: players players have gotten these these max deals and max contracts and the owners have acquiesced the players in this league and given them Larry Bird rights and everything like that. They do have some leverage. The NBA gets paid attention to when it comes to the players.
6: Well, women—they have some leverage, but you know, for every max contract that they're giving out, the person giving out the max contract has made a lot more off of this than the the person that they're giving. So, I mean, you know, when we get into the labor relations, that's a whole nother question. But speaking back on this issue, um, load management—load management did not come from the players. The 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 first load management that really you know hit the big screen. Is Greg Popovich right. uh managing his players with the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, absolutely. And so and and so load management has become become kind of a almost like it's a bad word, and I feel like it's because of the way it's used. Kind of like how in politics you hear the term woke and there are some people that are like, Oh, woke, woke is horrible. Absolutely. And it's not even what it's about. And so load management was Popovich saying, If I play Tim Duncan fewer minutes, let him sit some games. I'm going to have access to him for the long term. And if you look back just at the Hall of Fame class that Tim Duncan went in, right, it was him, Kobe Bryant, Kevin Garnett. Greatest Hall of Fame class in NBA history. But if you look at the end of their careers, Kobe Bryant blew out his Achilles. Kevin Garnett um, missed potentially two championships with the Celtics because he was dealing with um, you know lingering knee issues. Tim Duncan was still the man on a championship-winning squad in his late 30s. I think uh, Greg Popovich might have been on to something.
0: He was on to something, but then they took way too much advantage of it. Not just coaches, but also players as well. And you know what? They collectively you agreement. we'll have this discuss for another A, hey, Andre. I'm sure we are not finished with this, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Always good catching up with you, Matt. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me, sir. Uh, great stuff by Andre Snell, ESPN senior writer. Great follow on Twitter at Professor Driz as in Dr. Z, joining us here on Freddie and Harry. Although I love his conversation in terms of the greatest Hall of Fame class. I'm about to look that up to make sure that, that if he's correct or not correct. I'm going to be doing my homework on that one when it comes to professional. Talk about Duncan. two
1: guys that came straight out of high school, too, and Tim Duncan yeah, Tim Dun- and,
0: and, uh, Kobe yeah, Kobe, and Kobe Bryant. Kevin Griner and Kobe Bryant. Yeah, those were the two. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah, Tim Duncan was the old man. He kept playing. Went to Wake Forest. <laughs> to Wake Forest for four years. Brain fart. That's okay. But welcome to my world, as far as that goes. Harry Douglas, Freddie Coleman together, and Freddie Harry in the NFL. Two things that happened to Brock Purdy. One, he's about to make a lot more money. And number two, Cam Newton is not backing off calling him a game manager. Cam's not wrong, but this is ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Freddie and Harry Podcast.
4: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be.
1: We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any.
0: He's Harry Douglas. I'm Freddie Coleman. Together on Freddie and Harry, presented by Progressive Insurance on Sirius X and Channel 80 and always tell you smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Guess who has a new national endorsement? Brock Purdy, as in money. Mr. Brock money. Toyota just signed a national endorsement deal with Brock Purdy, the auto brand's first deal with an active NFL player since signing their official NFL vehicle sponsorship in October.
1: Mm. Look like he game managing the hell out of those deals. That <laughs> yeah. boy, brought
0: go, bro, go. Wait, what
2: was the what Let was all the your brand?
1: haters and your doubters know?
0: <laughs> what was that? Dev what became? was the brand? Toyota. Yeah, that's on brand. Exactly. Yeah, they everyman's car, reliable. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G- gets where you needed to get to. Yeah. I had a Corolla for
2: years. I uh, loved it. You're you are get, getting yeah.
1: money and it's free ninety nine. Absolutely. Dev, when that thing free ninety nine, uh-huh. I got to teach you. I, when it's free ninety nine. Uh-huh. Absolutely.
0: Woo! My wife and I have Highlanders. Man, Trusty, reliable, get you where you need to be. Free 99. Perfect for Brock Purdy, who's probably going to make more, more money from Toyota this week than he's going to make in the yearly salary he's got from the San Francisco 49ers so far mm-hmm. in his first two years as a starting quarterback, about to play in the Super Bowl, of course, against Kansas City, against Patrick Mahomes. But Cam Newton's not trying to hear it. He won an MVP back in 2015 when he played for the Carolina Panthers. On the 4th and 1 podcast, he not only said that Brock Purdy's a game manager, he's not even in the top five of players in the San Francisco 49ers.
3: I've never said that Brock Purdy was trash. What I did say is Brock Purdy is a game manager. That's not hate. That's just what I feel to be facts. But I still reserve the right to say this, to be labeled a game changer. Brock Parody has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball, and that's not the case. And who's the best player? T- Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> Man, look, I ain't recanting. <laughs> and if you really want to just be honest, if you add in the defensive talent and you add in the offensive talent, Brock Parity is the tenth best player on this team. Okay, cool. Did he have a great game? Yes. yes. Is he been playing out of his mind? Yes. Is he a quarterback that's hot? Yes. yes but he's still the 10th best player on his team.
1: The quarterback position is valued way higher than a lot of other positions on the football field. Amen. Brock Purdy is not the 10th best player on, uh, on the San Francisco 49ers. Because I thought we also just witnessed not too long ago Jimmy Garoppolo in that spot. Mm-hmm. And although they got to the Super Bowl, Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't make the throws. Mm-hmm. I watched Kyle Shanahan in a NFC championship game. When he was down not wanting to call certain calls because he knew Jimmy G was gonna probably turn the football over again.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: That's not Brock Purdy to me,
0: man. Yeah.
1: It's just not. Yeah.
0: By the way, going by what he said about the tenth best player in this team. Seventh. McCaffrey, yes. Debo Samuel, yes. yes. George Kittle, yes. Trent Williams, yes. That's four. Nick Bosa, yes. Fred Warner, yes. And Dre Greenlaw. If you want to, gonna have a I'll tell other. you
1: this: I, I wouldn't even put Dre Greenlaw over Brock Purdy. Okay, so Fre- he's Fre- the seventh. Fre- yeah. Fred Warner, I would. Yeah,
0: so he's seventh.
1: I'm not putting two damn linebackers over the quarterback
0: position for the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> Nor should you. That's that's insane <laughs> to me. <laughs> no, <it's>, unless unless <laughs> one's named Lawrence Taylor, other named Dick Buckus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Those are the only ones <laughs> like, that I would do. And like I said with Cam Newton, he's not wrong, but when it comes out of his mouth, it sounds wrong because other than the 10th best player on this team I completely disagree with that. He let it be known did he play great? Yes. It's okay that he's a game manager. And it goes back what I said a couple of days ago. Everybody's a game manager. No matter the position. Some have to manage the game more than others and have more responsibility. That's where the quarterback and head coach comes in when it comes to that.
1: In Brock, I believe. In Brock, I believe. In Brock you trust. Whatever I say Brock, just go out there and achieve, baby. Mm-hmm. And Brock, I believe.
0: I wonder what he would say if Brock Purdy beats Patrick Mahomes and plays ball in the Ooh, Super Bowl. Oh man! I wonder what people are saying about the Cowboys losing this guy, not named their quarterback Dak Prescott. That's next. Thanks for listening to the Freddie and Harry podcast on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to Freddie and Harry live weekdays from three to seven Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel eighty. You can also watch and listen on the ESPN app.
6: The Freddy and Harry Podcast.